right, thanks, Micah. Our kids can head back to be with our team at Transformation Station. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the Gospel of John. We'll start in chapter 16 this morning. Just as a heads up, uh, as you you open your your copy of God's word there, um, this Sunday is the second to last Sunday that uh, the Lees are are with us. So many of you know uh, our, our Redemption Kids Director, Carrie Lee, as well as our worship leader, Micah Lee, will be transitioning out. Uh, this next Sunday will be their last Sunday. So I just want to give people a heads up, especially if you're not going to be here next Sunday, uh, by all means, grab them and, and uh, express your gratitude uh, for how they have served with us. And uh, as the kids go down, we don't do this every Sunday, but I just feel compelled this morning. How about we pause and pray for the kids? You know, when we're up here uh, learning from the Bible, they are down there uh, learning uh, from the Bible with their teachers. So let's pray for our kids this morning uh, before we uh, jump in to uh, the word ourselves. Uh, Father, thank you so much for every child that is a part of our church. Uh, Father, we're grateful that you have brought so many kids uh, through the doors of our church each week. We, we usually have roughly 40 kids here, um, and Lord, we see that as a great privilege and a great responsibility. So Father, thank you for uh, Carrie and the great work that she's done leading our Redemption Kids uh, ministry, and thank you for all of the teachers and volunteers that make Sunday mornings go, and the commuter kids, and the, the subway station, the bus station, and Father, we, we realize that these are uh, formative years, uh, and, and what, what is instilled in them in these days uh, holds the potential to impact pack them all of their days. Uh, So God, we pray uh, that you would teach them about who you are and that that knowledge of you would totally transform their lives, um, that they would know how awesome you are. So God, we pray for our kids this morning and those that are serving them in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Well, let me, let me give you just a, a provocative uh, thought to get us going this morning. You guys know I don't I just drop you know, provocative statements just for the fun of it, but I'm just going to give you one here this morning. Okay, you ready, ready for this? Um, we all need help. Mm. How, how, how about that? Is, that? is that like rattle you a little bit? Like, we all need help. I'm sure that's not very provocative, huh? I mean, we, you can just put in, think about your week and think about a number of times where you're in a kind of sticky situation, something that seemed a little bit beyond you, whether it was something in your work life or your home life or your personal life, where you're just thinking, you know what? I'm not sure how to navigate this situation. I could really use some help here. And the good news for us is that God wants to be our help. God offers his help to us, and if we are willing to receive it, God will be our help. There's so many times in Scripture we see this kind of idea. Psalm 10, verse 14, to you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Psalm 46, a great psalm on God being our help. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I love this. I lift my eyes up to the hills. 
From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then Hebrews 13, 6, so we can confidently say, once again, quoting the Old Testament, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so my hope here for us today is that we could more readily identify our need for help, okay? Not just kind of this like overarching sense in life, which I hope like we would all kind of say, I really need some help just generally in my life, but I hope we could even drill down to some very specifics in our life, whatever's going on with you, that you could say, you know what? I am going to invite the help of God to aid me in whatever I find myself in, even today, even this week. And just to get us started, I just want to share just kind of this uh, sweeping kind of thought about who God is, and maybe this will encourage you to seek him for help, and, and that is this. God expects us to come to him for help because he realizes that's just who we are. And not only that's who we are, that's who he is. Okay, so let me just go theological for you on j- just a moment. Um, God is God. How's that for a theological statement, all right? God is God, and, and we, we are not God, and so God is independent. Now, what does that mean? It means not that he just, like, has turned 18 and he can do whatever. Like, no, God depends on no one. He alone is self-sufficient and self-existent. He is the creator of all things, so he, he depends on no one or nothing for anything that he would ever need because he has no needs. He's God. He's independent. But we, we are created. We are dependent. We are not self-sufficient, but we find our sufficiency in what God provides us. Whether we even recognize that or not, that is the reality for us. And so I want to offer very simple encouragement, okay? You're not going to have to pay attention very hard to get this one today, all right? But, but the encouragement this morning is that we would receive help from our helping God. How about that? Receive help from our helping God. In John chapter 16, Jesus is going to uh, continue to give these departing words to his closest followers, and he's going to set them up for his departure by speaking of God who is our helper, and specifically God the Holy Spirit who desires to help us in every facet of our lives. And so let me read uh, the first several verses here of John 16, verses 5. We'll go down through verse 11. Here we go. It says this. Jesus says, But now I am going to him, speaking of God the Father, who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Remember, he's saying, I'm I'm, I'm going going to die. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to depart. You're not going to see me any longer. But verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So just, again, let's try to place ourselves in this scene, this this conversation that Jesus is having before he goes to the cross, dies on behalf of the world, and then would rise again. He is instilling words of hope in these closest friends and closest followers of his. And so these are not empty platitudes that he's speaking, like, hey, I just want to make you feel good so you can kind of like maybe feel a little better to kind of emotionally sustain yourself through this time. He is giving them concrete truths, foundations that will sustain them for way longer than like a day or a week or a month. This will take them through the entirety of their lives and even way beyond. He is saying, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit to be your helper. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Okay, so let's just, let's just rem- try to wrap our minds around this, okay? Just, just as much as God the Father is God, and just as much as God the Son, Jesus, is God, so also just as much the Holy Spirit is God. He, he is equally divine. The, 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 the triune God exists as one God in three persons. And you noted that Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as a he. He uses a masculine pronoun because not, it's not a, an impersonal kind of force, all right? The Holy Spirit is a person. And so, when, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, we see that he does what people do, all right? He hears, he speaks, he convinces, he leads, he guides, he teaches and commands. He forbids, desires, he helps people speak, and he even intercedes on our behalf. It means that he's like a mediator. He, he, he represents us before God. He can be grieved. He can be lied to. And Acts chapter 5 would say, if you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God himself because the Holy Spirit is God. And so let me just, let me just drop this, this truth on us this morning. If we overlook the Holy Spirit, we are overlooking God. If, if we overlook who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit means for us, we are, we are overlooking who God is in our lives and who God is for us and how we are to relate to God. Now, what, what Jesus says in verse 7 should probably kind of startle us because I'm sure it, it startled and jarred the disciples, okay? What, what does he say again? Nevertheless, I tell you, okay, I'm, I'm about to depart, but he says, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. I mean, the disciples must have thought, you know, like, Jesus, uh, we, know, we know you're God, we know you're the Messiah, but, you know, you must have misspoke on 
just this, this time, all right? Like if, if, if you didn't misspeak, then we must have misheard you um, because surely you didn't just say that it's better that, that you're not with us. Like, like to have God beside you is, is, is a pretty good deal, okay? Um, so, so, so perhaps like Jesus, you forgot that important prefix, like dis, you know, like it is to your disadvantage that I'm leaving you. But Jesus says, no, it is, it is to their advantage. Talk about counterintuitive. How could this be? How could Jesus say, though I am God, right beside you, it's actually going to be better if I depart from you because I'm going to send this helper. I mean, can you imagine if you're the disciples? Like, I don't care who you're sending. I don't care what kind of help they provide. All right, they can't be as good as you. Why would Jesus say this? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, the Spirit continues the ministry of Jesus. All right? The Spirit continues Jesus' ministry. Jesus already told them in John 14, uh, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. He, he does so in the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Um, the Greek word for helper here is parakletos in the Greek. I don't give you a lot of Greek words because it doesn't really help. All right, but, but in this case, case the, the word paraklete, parakletos, literally means the compound word in the Greek that means to, to call alongside. And in the English, it's really, it's really impossible to find like this perfect equivalent of who the Spirit is as the paraclete because he's, he's so robust in what he brings to us as God, all right? So we see different translations say things like comforter, strengthener, supporter, advisor, advocate. All of these come close, and I think the word helper is a good word. And so just, just consider that Jesus is saying that your relationship with me is actually not going to take a hit here, but it's going to be enhanced because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to be in you, helping you along life's journey every step of the way. As one of my friends said, uh, that I heard him say about 12 years ago, I've never forgotten, he said, because of the Holy Spirit, God is closer than your fingertips. God is closer than your fingertips. If, if you follow Christ, God is that close. He's closer than your skin because he is in you. Our relationship is actually enhanced because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. So just as we look at these words this morning, I want to I want to encourage you to ask yourself a question that J.D. Greer poses in his book, Jesus Continued on the Holy Spirit, uh, when, he, when he says this. Is your connection to the Holy Spirit so strong and real that you regard his presence in you to be a better advantage than even Jesus himself beside you? I mean, if, if we could just kind of pull the audience here and take a vote, like, would you rather uh, Jesus to be right here and you could just listen to him and you could watch his life and you could, you could hang out with Jesus and, you know, like, would you take that or would you take the Holy Spirit in you? And, and Jesus is saying, you're in a better place if you take the Spirit in you. Because not only is, is Jesus 
in us by his spirit, the spirit of Christ, but now because he's in us, he's empowering us to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. So the spirit continues the ministry of Jesus and the spirit expands the ministry of Jesus. Okay, so Jesus um, fulfilled his ministry in, in word and deed and, and revealed the glory of God, but, but now as the spirit indwells people, we now continue the work of Jesus, as Jesus would say, all over the world. You're going to receive the power of the Spirit, and now you're going to be, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere you go, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I hope you know this, but if, if, you, if you don't realize this yet, please hear this, and please believe this, and please seek to live this out. Everything that we do, Everything that happens in us, everything that happens through us is a result of the work of God's Spirit. Perhaps I should say every good thing, every good thing that reflects Jesus Christ, right? So the Spirit continues the ministry of Jesus. The Spirit expands the ministry of Jesus. So let me just, let me just give you a couple of encouragements that flow out of these verses, verses 5 through 15. So we're really going to spend our time focusing today. All right? And, and one of the encouragements is geared more toward those who are new to the news of Jesus. Okay? And then the second encouragement is more geared to those who are not so new to the news of Jesus, but but. Both of them have much to say to people who are in both camps, all right? You follow me? You got that? We good? Good? All right, here we go. All right, so, so number one, all right, receive the Spirit's help to get you into the life of Christ. All right, this is, this is what we see in these verses we just read. Receive the Spirit's help to get you into the life of Christ. We all know people, okay, myself included, we all know hundreds if not thousands of people who would say, you know what, I just don't really know what to think about Jesus, okay? I've heard a few things about him or may have heard a lot about him. I haven't totally sided with him yet um, for, for reasons X, Y, or Z, okay? There are a lot of different kind of hindrances to, to uh, people coming into the faith of Christ, whether they be intellectual or emotional or social um, or spiritual, there, there are a lot of different barriers that people face. And one of the things that I love about Redemption Hill, I hope this never changes, one of the things I love about our church, and thank you because you're a part of this, this is why people would say this, is people would say, you know, Tanner, I'm, I'm really new in my spiritual journey, or uh, where you are is not where I am, but you know what, I feel, I feel really safe in your church to come and explore these matters. And that's a beautiful thing. We want that to always be said of Redemption Hill, that no matter where someone is in their spiritual journey, they know this is a safe place where they can explore who Christ is and what Christianity is all about. So what, is, what does Jesus say um, happens for those who are new in their spiritual journey? What does the, the Spirit do? Look back at verse 8. It says, he says, and, and when he, the Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, so the Spirit does one thing in three different ways, okay? The Spirit convicts. Conviction happens when we could say we are enlightened to understand where we are in light of who Jesus is. Okay, got that? Conviction happens when we are enlightened to see where we are in light of who Jesus 
is. Okay, so this is how it, this is how it works. Right? It's kind of hard to describe because the Spirit, we can't see the Spirit, but, but, but we can see the effects of the Spirit. That's why Jesus would say that the Spirit is like wind. We, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind, right? You can see the, the limbs shake on the tree when the wind picks up, and you can feel the, the wind against your skin as the wind blows. And so when we think about how the Spirit is working, sometimes it's just that small tap on the shoulder when it's like, you know, hey, that's you. Like there's this kind of, you know, almost this, it feels like this voice inside of us saying, like, hey, that's you. You need to pay attention to what, what was just said. Or um, it's kind of this, <clears throat> you, need to, you need to pay attention to that. You need to pull your life into that, and you know, we, we have to just admit that this is not always enjoyable, right? Like, like as the Spirit prompts us to, to make a change in our life, it's not always enjoyable because we don't always love hearing that mm, we're kind of off there. We're, we're, a little, we're a little off on that note, and we need to bring it over just a little bit or a lot bit, you know, you know what I'm saying? But, but just think about how this works in our lives, all right? Um, if I were to go to the optometrist, I would want him to tell me or her to tell me that I don't see very well so I can have my vision corrected. It's okay for the coach to tell us that we need to work on our game, right? It's okay for the doctor to say that we have a virus and need to take some medicine. So, so why is it that we prefer honest assessments in all of these other areas of our physical lives, but when it comes to our spiritual lives, like, we don't really want to hear that. Like, we we want to hear the truth, right? We don't want to live under some kind of delusion that says, like, hey, you know, like, you see great, and then we're just, like, bumping into things because we can't see. No, like, we, we want to hear the truth so that we can have that corrected. And so perhaps the Spirit would say to you, even today in some area of your life, whether you are not yet in Christ or whether you are in Christ, perhaps the Spirit would say, listen, I care about you so much. I love you so much that I want to help you move from here to there, and I'm going I'm to show you how to, to get there to where your life can line up with God's design for you. This is how the Spirit works. This is how the Spirit convicts. This is how the Spirit enlightens us to line our lives up with the life of Christ. And so it does take a measure of courage to say, you know what, I don't have it all together, but I just want to ask, like, could, we, could we all say that today? Could we just say, you know what, I don't have it all together. As I was thinking about this and as I was, I was writing this sermon, um, I was just thinking about, you know what, if, if, I weren't, if I weren't a follower of Jesus, I would be searching for some, some other way, some other truth, some other greater reality. And the reason for that is I know that there is something beyond me that I need in my life because I know I don't have it all together. Thankfully, I've just found that the answer is in Christ, and now he's filling in all those gaps and all those pieces that were missing in my life to 
where now I have purpose and joy and satisfaction and an ability to love people like God wants us to. And so that's where it all begins. So how does, how does the Spirit help us? Is these three areas. Um, look, at, look in verse 9. It says this, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So the job of the Spirit of God is to help show people that their greatest error, their greatest sin, is not seeing Jesus clearly and not embracing him wholeheartedly. We've, we've looked in the Gospel of John as we've kind of journeyed through uh, this book uh, that Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. I am the one that sustains you and nourishes you. I am the light of the world. I'm the one that helps you see reality as it truly is. I am the good shepherd. I'm the one that's going to provide for you, and I'm even going to lay down my life for you. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who can help you overcome even death. And so at some point, there's this, there's this pull, this tug of the Spirit that says, you know what, you really, really need Jesus and who he is and what he offers you. Everyone who has chosen to follow Christ has had that moment in their life where they, they see, you know what, man, there, there are some things that are broken in my life. And he is the one that can make them unbroken. He is the one that can heal them and make them whole. And so this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit brings us back into alignment. Um, Then it says in verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So here it is in short. um, Our efforts of living good lives before God fall completely inadequate. All of our efforts don't cut it before, before God. The, the standards that, that, that he sets for us, we don't measure up. And, and again, this shouldn't surprise us, right? Because even the standards that we set for ourselves, we don't even meet, meet our own standards, right? So, so like, this shouldn't totally surprise us. We just need to acknowledge that yeah, that is the case. And, and what do I need to do about it? So verses 8 through 11 show us how we are, are you ready for this, how we are guilty of failing to meet God's standards. And and I know that that's like a loaded word, and I hear people all the time, you know, like, Tanner, I I would come to church, but I don't want to be put on a guilt trip, so I'm not interested in coming, like, back to church. And I would just say, like, if that's who Jesus is or what that was what he was about, okay, I wouldn't sign up either. Jesus isn't, he isn't in for guilt trips, okay? He's in like, you need to do more, you're so bad, you, you don't measure up, get your act together. Like, so so that's, not, that's not what we're signing up for. At the same time, we need to see our lives clearly, and we do need to see that we are in fact guilty before God and guilty before others because we've, we've done so many wrong things in our lives. And the good news is this, is that, that guilt is actually a good thing because it's our guilt that shows us how much we need grace. So, so guilt shows us our need, and then it pushes us to say we need something, and then God's grace comes in, and God's grace actually buries our guilt and does away with our guilt so that now if, if, if someone is in Christ and has received this gift that he offers us, 
we're no longer guilty before God. Our, 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 our sin, our wrong before God has been totally erased and done away with. And, and we might ask, well, then how does this relate to seeing Jesus? Because Jesus says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, um, and you will see me no longer. And we could just say this, every, every good thing is located in Jesus and flows through Jesus. He is the blueprint. He is the standard. So we, we come to know what righteousness is by hearing the truth of Christ, and we come to know what righteousness is by seeing the truth of Christ. So we hear words like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, and we just kind of step back because it's like, you know what, um, left to myself, and maybe even currently, I don't want to love my enemies, I actually want my enemies to suffer. Or we, we see people in a materialistic culture not hoarding more things for themselves, but actually taking what belongs to them and giving it away. And in that generosity, they're reflecting the generosity of God, the generosity of Christ. And now we see through words and through lives what righteousness is that ultimately flows through Christ. So the Spirit convicts us concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. And, and what this is referring to is how the Spirit helps us see that Jesus really rose from the dead. He has complete victory over everything, including Satan and all evil in the world. So, so as, we, as we summarize these, these few verses, here's, here's what's going on, okay? The Spirit helps bring people into the life of Christ. And perhaps that's you this morning. You're, you're saying, you know what? I, I, I see more of who Jesus is, and I, I kind of hear the, the Spirit kind of tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, you need this. You need to, to come into this. You need to step into the life that, that God wants to give you where guilt is overcome by grace and all of these standards that I felt to meet were met in Jesus and, and he was the substitute. He lived the life that I should have lived and he died the death that I should have died so that now through him I can have this life that God made for me in the very beginning. Perhaps that's you. The Spirit wants to bring you into the, to the life of Jesus. And... The Spirit's work here shows us how God is a, is a missionary God, right? In other words, God is the one who is seeking people out to help bring them to know who he is and to live for him. And so I think a good question for us is if, like, if, if this is who God is, if God is all about bringing people in to know who Jesus is so that their whole life can be transformed, then how closely are we in step with the Spirit? In other words, if, if this is the priority of the Spirit to, to bring people into the life of Christ, like, is that our priority? As a church, is that our priority? And as individuals, is that our priority to see more and more people discover who Christ is and the difference he can make in their I hope, I've been praying, I hope that perhaps the Spirit is 
tugging at your soul this morning. If, if you need to commit your life to Christ, then let us know that because we want to help you get started on this new journey. If you are in Christ, he's like, I need to be more in step with the Spirit, and I just need some help, I need some prayer in that, then let us know that so that we as, as leaders and, and helpers, God's helpers, we can, we can help you in that journey. So we receive the Spirit's help to get into the Christian life, but then number two, we receive the Spirit's help to keep us in the Christian life. Verse 13 is critical. Look at what it says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So already in John's gospel, twice we've seen the spirit referred to as the spirit of truth. It happened in, verse, in, uh, in chapter 14, it happened in chapter 15. Now again, it's happening in chapter 16. And the spirit guides us into all truth. That, that doesn't mean that we know all that there is to know in life, all right? It doesn't mean we become like super geniuses and we're like Johnny Five. You ever seen Short Circuit, the movie? You like just read every book and you know, like you know everything there is to know. That's not, that's not what this is talking about, Okay. What, what Jesus is saying is the Spirit helps us understand everything that we need to know about Jesus and consequently everything that we need to know to live a life that is honorable before God and pleasing to Him. And so just as the Holy Spirit enlightens the lives of those people who have yet to come to know Christ through convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So also the Holy Spirit enlightens the lives of those who already do know Christ so that they can live their lives wholeheartedly for him. Day after day, there's this deeper experience that the Spirit wants to take us into so that we can experience more peace, more joy, more help from God. How does the Spirit guide us? Let me, let me give you two answers, okay? Number one, the Spirit guides us. The Spirit of truth guides us through the words of truth that are, that are captured in the Scripture, okay? So, so the Spirit guides us through the words of Scripture that actually the Holy Spirit inspired, by the way, if you're keeping score, okay? So 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about this where it says, all Scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be equipped for every good work. So we, we know how God wants us to live our lives through the words of Scripture. But then that's not all the Spirit does, okay? The Spirit also then prompts us to actually keep those words that, we, that we've been exposed to. How does this work? Well, I got a really good picture of this yesterday, I think. It's, it's, it's one of many kind of uh, pictures that we could take from life and see how the, the Spirit prompts us and, and leads us to live the life that Christ has designed for us. We were at our 
two oldest girls dance recital yesterday, okay? If you've ever been to a dance recital, you know what, how amazing they are. And this one was only like an hour and 45 minutes, okay? So that was amazing in and of itself, okay? Not like four or five hours. Uh, but but it, was really, it was really cool, right? Beyond Movement Dance Academy, um, it was their Hollywood Nights dance recital. So you had uh, the two Turley girls, the two Sanders girls were also there. Um, Kessid and Piper were in their little bell dresses, you know, the yellow dress, and they were dancing to Beauty and the Beast, all right? Very sweet, had their little roses. Um, and then Parker and Riley were dancing to Greased Lightning. Right? So you had like five Olivia Newton-Johns, you know, spread out in the back, and they tried to get your boy to be John Travolta, all right? But I weaseled out of that somehow, okay? I just told him I didn't have enough hair to like slick it back or whatever, so I think I kind of scored, you know, not having to do that. It was, it was pretty nice. Uh, but it was, just, it was just an awesome time. And one of, one of my favorite moments from uh, the recital was when the Hakuna Matata team came out, all right? Now, these are, these are four-year-olds, and there were about uh, nine or ten of them, all right? About eight girls and then, and then one little boy uh, who was the lion, and they did a great job. But, but when they got ready to dance, when they hurried into their positions, what happened is the music started, and their, all of their heads turned this way. And why was that? It was because Miss Joanna Matthews, the, the owner and the founder and the lead teacher of Beyond Movement Dance Academy, was over there ready to remind them and prompt them with every little step. Never mind. Um, that, they were, that they were to take in their performance. And in a much greater way, in a much more serious way, this is, this is kind of how the Spirit works with us. The Spirit reminds us of the life that God wants us to live, and then He shows us those steps so that we can keep in step with what He desires. And, and I love the words of Jonathan Dodson, super helpful to me in terms of how the Spirit is prompting us through. Like, if, if we're not, listen, if we're not in tune with the Spirit who lives within us to prompt us to take these steps, then, then listen, we're not going to live the life that God wants for us. You say, well, Tanner, how does, how does this work? Listen to these words, so helpful. Jonathan Dodson describes the work of the Spirit in this way. He says, I'm discovering that most of the time the power of the Spirit is subtle, not showy. All right, we like think it's like lightning bolts, like God's going to like, you know, drop signs from heaven, write it in the sky. This is what you need to do. This is the decision you need to make. This is the choice that you need to make to, you know. And, but he says it's, it's usually subtle, not showy. The Spirit is present in our subtle inclinations to serve our spouses. Hmm. Do what is right. Read the Bible. Love the marginalized. Make disciples and commune with God. He is that renewing presence that says, choose what is good, right, and true. He is that tug towards self-sacrifice for the good of others. He is that challenge to boldly tell someone how Jesus is changing your life. He is the person that brings Scripture to mind and coaxes you to believe it. He is the one who prompts you to pray for others. He is the one who restrains you from clicking on that image on the internet. Making that purchase 
silently judging someone else. He prompts you to encourage a friend, to praise the good in a coworker, or to rejoice in God's remarkable grace. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit, and He prompts you all of the time. We simply need to surrender to His promptings. So, so if the Spirit is in us, he is, he is constantly nudging us out. He's constantly tapping us on the shoulder. He's constantly clearing his throat. <clears> throat> uh, push it over in this direction. And so everything that God is calling us to do, he is helping us to do it, and he is even empowering the very steps that we take so that we can live that life that pleases him. And if it's pleasing to him, that it is going to be most pleasurable and satisfying and joyful for us. And so the, the result of living in step with the Spirit is victory that is characterized by joy and peace. And so, listen, we didn't, we didn't cover the back half of this chapter uh, this morning, but I just want to give you two thoughts in light of what Jesus is saying to his disciples that are reflective of this life that is empowered by the Spirit, okay? Um, number one, he turns our grief to gladness. If you look in verses 20 through 22, Jesus would go on and he would say this, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And he gives this, this illustration, ladies um, can, can identify with this even, even more perhaps than men. Yes, most definitely uh, more. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born in the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus is saying, look, you're not going to see me longer because I'm going to die, but just in a little while, you're going to see me again because I'm going to rise from the dead. And that joy that you experience when you see me is an unfading, undying joy that will be in you forever. And I'm just saying, like, when we keep in step with the Spirit, we experience that joy like every single day. That's ours. He turns grief to gladness, and he turns our problems to peace. Look at verse 33, uh, one of my favorite verses in the Gospel of John that says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus turns our grief to gladness, and he turns our problems to peace. And so what I want to invite us to do today is simply, is simply this. And I, and I actually want you to, if, if, you're, if you're willing, if you're prompted to, to do so, I'd love for you just, I'm going to lead us in prayer. I'd love for you to just take your hands and just open them. Just open them up in front of you. You can, you can bow your head and close your eyes and we're going to pray. But, but if you're willing to receive the help of the Spirit, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I just want you to open your hands and as I pray, I want you just to ask God to help you to receive his help. Spirit of God, I, I don't know what's going on in the lives of these friends before me, but God, I know you do. 
And God, I know that none of us would open our hands, including myself. We wouldn't open, open the, 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 our physical hands, which are a reflection of, of our hearts before you. We would not open our hands if, if it weren't you that were, were leading us and, and, and enabling us to do so. And so, God, I, I pray that whether someone just needs to step into the life of Christ or if there are many who would say, I just need to continue into the, in the life of Christ and, 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 and walk in greater step with the Spirit as you prompt me to do so. God, I pray that you would show them exactly what that means and exactly how they can do that in their life. Father, I'm sure there are some decisions that need to be made where people need your help. I'm sure there are some relationships that we have that, that need to be restored. God, I'm sure there are difficulties in, in our workplace and are just, just wrestlings with, with right and wrong and what you want us to do. And, and so, God, I pray that you would send your spirit to help us to live our lives for you with everything we've got. Father, would you give us your grace to turn to you, to receive your help, not just in this moment, but but in each of the moments moving forward. God, thank you for the help that you provide. God, thank you for being our helper. Thank you for sending your spirit to give us everything that we need for our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.